Welcome to The Alternative Investor, the show where we discuss, debunk, and demystify all things about investing in alternative assets. Hey, Brad. Hey, Grayson. How are you? I'm wonderful. How are you doing this fine Thursday afternoon? <laughs> Great. Do you want to talk about Lois? Lois? Letter of intents? <laughs> oh, wait. Is that LOI? LOI. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's talk about LOIs. Letter of intent. Um, Brad, kick it off. What's an LOI? An LOI is basically a, an opening salvo into trying to do a deal. It's not a purchase contract. It's a, you know, it's a document that you negotiate up front with the seller that lays out the basic business terms of the deal. And so, therefore, everybody can proceed forward knowing what the basic business terms are, start working on a contract, and at least get the deal moving forward. Yeah. I th I think of it like, hey, let's 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 bullet out some basic points of this deal to make sure we're on the same page. Like, hey, how much is this going to cost? Um, you know, how long are you going to have to look at it? Because people are going to start spending money or incurring real risk after an LOI. So you kind of want to make sure you're on the same page, right? Yeah, I mean, it's not contractual, right? That's the weird thing. About oh yeah, it. they're non-binding. They're totally non-binding. So you kind of feel. What like does that mean? So yeah. Tell me what that means. It just means that it it's not a legal document. You can't uh, you know take it to court and say that hey you didn't execute you didn't. Well, it is a legal document, right? I mean, isn't it, any document that's signed is a legal document? Correct? It's not an enforceable document, right? Because most of the time you're caveating on these LOIs that you know this is not a contract. Well, yeah, we can get out of this at any point. Well, that's and I think that's the point is it says in the document that it's it's non-binding. It's like. You know, you don't have to do that, it. No that one. is a good point. If it doesn't say that in the <laughs> LOI, you probably uh, have a contract. I guess, yeah. Yeah. But the L way to think about an LOI is that you're kind of like uh, you and the seller are dating, right? You're mm, you're yeah. kind of testing the waters. Yeah. You're feeling each other I out. I like you. You like me. Yeah. And you're, you're seeing, you have the intent of moving forward to, with a relationship, but uh, not the obligation. You're still shopping. Yeah. Whereas the purchase contract, that's the next phase. That's more of like you're getting engaged, right? They're... There's some consequences involved if it doesn't go. Or maybe go even married. <laughs> well, maybe even married. But you could still get out even with a contract until you know the deal's closed. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. So, what what's next with an LOI? What what what's the uh, why why should you care? Well, yeah. Look, I think um, I think let me. <laughs> why should you care? <laughs> you shouldn't. I was just I was still thinking about the per like to me the. I guess the key part of an LOI, at least, so again, I, you know, just for our listeners, I'm, you know, I'm more on the private equity side and we like to put an, we like to sign an LOI because we get an exclusive look at a company. So really as the buyer of a potential company, we, you know, our main purpose is, Hey, let's make sure we're on the same page with the deal, but also let's, let's lock it up. Let's, let's give ourselves 60 or 90 days where the seller can't talk to anyone else about selling this and can't entertain any other offers. Because uh, that's a pretty powerful position to be in as a buyer. Yeah. Well, the funny thing about that in our in real estate, you don't really lock up the deal with an LOI. You just are kind of moving forward, and you're moving forward in good faith that you you're pretty sure you're pretty confident you're going to put this under contract and lock it up. But aren't you you have exclusivity in real estate? No. Right? You well, don't. you do under the purchase contract, but not under a letter of intent. Oh, really? You don't. And when you sign an LOI in real estate, that doesn't give you an exclusive look at the deal. Yeah, and so interesting. We take a lot less time working on them LOIs, right? Saying we're lazy. You saying we're slow on the private equity side? Well, no, you just take it more serious because it's more. You have that exclusivity, and you're you're kind of locking it up, right, with the the signing of the LOI. Uh, versus in real estate, people, yeah, people sign it, but 
there's a bunch of caveats saying that it's non-binding. And so with a letter of intent, you're really just kind of making sure that everybody's on the same page with the business points, but it's not locked up until you actually sign the, the purchase contract. Interesting. So in real estate, if, you, if you're a seller, you're, so you're a buyer and you have a seller and they sign an LOI, you, you do not have an exclusive look at that deal, meaning that seller can the next day sign additional, another LOI with somebody else and actually entertain an offer from them and move forward with them. Oh, yeah. And I've had it happen many times. So that's crazy because you're spending money on potentially spending money on, you know, you're buying a plane ticket to go look at the building or you're, you're hiring an accountant to look at the financials. So you, you're willing to spend money without an exclusive look. Yeah. In real estate, you really only start worrying about the due diligence money when you start doing third-party reports. You you don't really factor in your time doing the analysis, flights out to the property, wherever it is. Uh, that's just kind of cost of, bus- of doing business. Where you really start spending money and you want to make sure you have it, you know, locked up is when you start, you know, uh, getting the engineers on site and doing the environmental analysis. And that's when the check sizes get pretty large and the lawyers get involved. Um, and, so, but do you have exclusivity at that point? Yeah, that, at that point, we, we would have had a purchase contract Oh, signed. I see. Got yeah. it. Okay, so in real estate, the LOI does not give you exclusivity. The purchase agreement does, but there's still, there's still some caveats inside the purchase agreement. Because in my experience on the private equity side, the purchase agreement, once that's signed, you're, you're, almost, you're pretty much done. Like, you're good to go. Yeah, because so, well, so yeah, you, you guys, you guys don't use earnest money deposits, right? There's no security deposit, basically. Yeah, we have no, you know, I guess maybe on some bigger deals there probably are, but on the deals that I've seen, when we sign an LOI as a buyer, we don't have to put any money down or no deposit or anything like that. Yeah, if the deal was big enough, there's usually what's called a break breakup fee, right, in private equity. But you're yeah. right, on the smaller, you know, when you're buying uh, operating businesses aren't you know, hundreds of millions of dollars, there's generally not a breakup fee. That's interesting. Okay, cool. So in real estate, the purchase agreement is what gives you the exclusivity. So you, you can still back out of the deal if, if certain milestones or, or, or terms aren't met under the purchase agreement. Correct. Yeah. And generally those are, you know, the due diligence period where you sign the purchase agreement and usually you have around 30 days for due diligence. It's not written in stone. We've certainly done deals that are faster than that and, and some that are longer because they're more complicated. But usually you have 30 days of due diligence and then you can kill the deal before then, and you, you can get your earnest money back. Uh, then you, you'll you have a financing contingency period after that often. Uh, sometimes the, your earnest money goes hard, which just means it's non-refundable at that end of the 30 days. And then maybe there's a second tier of earnest money deposit that goes non-refundable after that second 30 days. So, you know, there, there's some structure to it, right? You want to make sure that the due diligence checks out, which we've gone over some of that in prior prior episodes. The uh, you know the environmental, the the physical reports come back clean, huh. and then you want to make sure you can get financing. You real estate guys, you love your financing. Well, that's yeah, that's <laughs> the key. Without it, it's you know why why even do it? Why why bother? Yeah. So yeah, okay. So why do you care about an? If you, let's say you're an investor and you're investing in a deal. Uh, remember the sponsors, the the person that kind of arranges the deal and sets it up, and maybe is going to operate it going forward. You're an investor investing in a sponsor. You know the LOI is a pretty pretty meaningful document. You know, first of all, as an investor, you 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 at least have the confidence that hey, this guy, the seller and the and the buyer are on the same page. There's a good likelihood that this deal is going to happen. Yeah, you don't want to waste your time spinning your wheels analyzing a deal, whether or not you want to make this this passive investment with somebody who you know doesn't even have really the deal locked up or even close to locked up. Yeah, right. You could get somebody who doesn't really know what they're doing 
that says, hey, look, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm going to be able to buy this deal. So I'm going to start raising money now for it, you know, just so I have enough time. But you don't want to look at those deals, right? Because they're not real yet at that point. Yeah, that's a good point. I would say as an investor, don't spend a ton of time or any time on deals that are not under LOI. Yeah, and even I, you probably don't want to go as deep until it's really locked up on the real estate side with a purchase contract. Yeah, whereas opposed on the private equity side, it it is effectively locked up at the LOI. So you're good to you're good. To, you're, you could probably start caring at that point. Yeah. So if you're looking at a one-off deal, and maybe the sponsor, you know, doesn't have a lot of capital, or it's a it's a larger deal, and you're writing a a really meaningful you know million dollar plus check, right, or even a five hundred thousand dollar check, whatever it is. If it's if the earnest money deposit is is going to be pretty big your sponsor might actually be coming to you with some help on that earnest money too. So if, if that's the case, right, where you're, you're putting money at risk at the contract phase of the investment, you want to look at the LOI and you probably even want to look at the purchase contract to make sure that, that your money is protected and you guys can get out if the deal doesn't check out. Yeah. Good point. And, and also as an investor, when you look at the LOI, it does give you some at least some highlights of the what the deal is going to look like, right? You got the purchase price, uh, you know how it's going to be paid. You know what are the what are going to be the what are the key terms that are going to be in the purchase agreement? So you, you can you can start to get a good look at what the actual purchase agreement terms are going to be. So you're at least prepared once that comes down the pipe. Yeah, do you guys? So you don't have any earnest money at risk, and um, no. but do you have con- any kind of contingencies? No, I, no. As the as the buyer in these small private equity deals that I've done. You, you know, you're, there's zero risk on behalf of the buyer to get into an LOI. Now, the buyer is going to start incurring costs. Like we're going to, you know, we have to hire accountants to do a quality of earnings report. We have to hire lawyers to start it with the purchase agreement. Uh, we have to hire, if you're buying a technical software company, you have to hire engineers to look under the hood and, and see what kind of software the guys built. So you're going to you're going to you're going to pay some money where you're not going to get that back. But in terms of the, and as far as the seller is concerned, you know, you can you can back out at any time. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, we're we're a little we're a little kinder, Is it kinder, <laughs> kinder, <A little> looser, <laughs> softer. <laughs> uh, well, what about deal terms like, uh, for example, if somebody wants to carry some equity into the deal based on a performance? Yeah, yeah. So you you would burn out. You would include the major kind of points of the deal in that LOI. So it's possible that the seller might say, hey, you know, I want to roll some of my equity into the new company, the new deal. And so, you know, hey, look, I like you, Mr. Buyer. I think you're going to do a great job growing this business. And so in that case, the the seller of the company actually becomes an investor in the new entity. Um, so, yeah, so that would be outlined in the in the LOI. It's basically you don't want any major surprises when the purchase agreement comes around. So the LOI tries to hit all the all the high points. Got it. Yeah, we also include seller financing debt terms, right? Yeah, we, yeah. We shoot for that a lot, but you don't often get it. But if you can, you want to spell out, make sure that the loan is uh, spelled out in that LOI. Yeah, that makes sense. All right, so key terms in the LOI. I guess we started to talk about this a little bit already, but you know, the the price that you're going to pay, how you're going to pay it, how much how much is going to be seller financing, how much is going to be debt, how much is going to be equity that the seller rolls over, timing. Timing, yeah, usually, you know, in our in our deals, we, you know, you have an exclusivity period, you know, 60 to 90 days usually, maybe some 45 I've seen. Um, but yeah, you have sort of a, hey, we're hoping to close by this date, but, you know, that's really aspirational and 
really what happens is you, if you get close to that date and you haven't closed yet, you, you kind of just look at each other and say, hey, look, do we, do we feel like we're both kind of moving forward and negotiating good faith? Let's extend the exclusivity period and keep this going. Yeah. And so is the, are you talking to the seller the whole time? Yeah. Yeah. Like every day. Seriously? Oh, yeah. Oh, I, wow. I talked to him three times today. We, so we... We just got a deal under LOI yesterday, Brad. Congrats. Is that why we're doing this today? <laughs> that might have been top of mind. <laughs> yeah, so we just got a, a software company under LOI, and yeah, I talked to the seller three times today. Yeah, that's unreal. When we sign a, a contract, we pretty much don't talk to that uh, that seller for a while. You know, We get into due diligence, but then really we just kind of put our heads down and really work on trying to get the, the loan and make sure that the deal checks out. And we're not really talking to the seller until you know, until we're trying to work on the transition. You don't worry that he's, you don't worry that you need to keep him kind of engaged and excited about you as the buyer that he's potentially talking to other people. You know, it's funny that you bring it, bring that up. Usually the answer is, is no, you shouldn't be because you have a contract in place. He can't do that. But right? no, this is just under the LOI though, where you don't have ex exclusivity yet. Oh, sorry. I'm conflating LOI and purchase contract. Yeah. I'm, I'm confused too. In real estate, man, you guys are, you guys are cowboys. Yeah. But you know, I guess so. So yeah, you're not worried though that when you sign an LOI in a real estate deal, you don't have exclusivity. The seller can potentially entertain other offers. You don't feel like you kind of need to keep them excited about you and, and and motivated to move forward with you. Yeah, no, I think under LOI, yes, we we would want to be in touch more with the seller to make sure that we're working towards a purchase contract. But often we're we're talking to their attorney at that point. Yeah, right. What you don't want is them to kind of go quiet on you. And take forever to just get the the contract back to you because you know time kills deals, right? Yeah. And if they go quiet, they certainly could be entertaining other offers. Yeah. So it's a sense. good advice to just try to move it forward and being in touch. Also, I'm just kind of a nervous sales guy. I always feel like I need to keep the keep the deal moving. <laughs> so yeah, and in, in other terms that are in the LOI, you know, we on the private equity side, we outline kind of, hey, here's the main due diligence points we're going to do, and, and we're going to need access to your customers. We're going to need. Uh, potentially going to get access to some of your key employees. We're going to need access to your financials. So we, we actually bullet point that out in our LOIs. Yeah, we just say, you know, we need access to your property. And here is a list of the due diligence items you're going to need to send over. And that's usually an exhibit to the LOI. Yeah. And there, there's usually some sort of publicity term where it's like, hey, you can't, don't tell anybody, keep it all under, on, the, on the down low until we're all in agreement that we're going to announce this. You guys do something like that? No, I don't think it would make for very entertaining uh, advertisements. <laughs> and then, um, you know, obviously we talk about exclusivity where we, you know, we, we try to get 90 days of exclusivity where during that period, the seller cannot talk to anyone else about a transaction, entertain an offer. Uh, but what are, what's the, what's the stick if they do? Yeah. You know what? That's a good question. Cause well, so that, so that is, so that, that's why, I, that's why I do think this is a legally, a legal document that is binding. In fact, there's actually a, there's a term, there's a clause in our letters that says this is a non-binding agreement, meaning we're not going to, we don't have to buy the company. However, you know, section seven exclusivity is binding. So in theory, I guess we could, you know, we could resort to legal action. But what is your ramification? Is it arbitration? I mean, there's not like, he's not funding some type of, you know, breakup fee up front. So you'd actually have to go sue him then. Yeah, that's a good point. I think we would have to sue him. So I'm just reading it actually, as we're talking, um, yeah, it just mentions that. The, good, this is exciting for the <laughs> listeners. Why, why don't you take five minutes to read this? Maybe you could sing a song in the meantime. <laughs> um, anyway, long story short, yeah, we'd probably have to take him to court. I don't know what we'd get. Well, that's the interesting thing about all this too, is that even when you sign contracts, right, you think that, oh, well, that's, that's set in stone. No, 
It's not. It's going to come down to what a jury thinks. Yeah. People can do whatever they want to do. Yeah. Right. I mean, sure. If you have a contract, your case is a little bit better, but we've had, we had a guy, we signed up as one of our first deals. We signed up this, this property. We were super excited about it. We put it under first LOI. Then shortly thereafter, we signed up the purchase contract. And then we reached out to him a week later because he hadn't sent the due diligence materials. Uh-huh. And this was a, uh, he was probably uh, 70. He's, he was retiring. He, wanted, he just didn't want to deal with the property anymore. He had made a lot of money on it. And uh, he just, uh, all of a sudden, he, he wrote us a, a letter uh, that said. <laughs> he is old. Yeah. He wrote us a letter, not an email, a letter, came snail mail, and said that he was canceling the deal. Thanks for playing. Right. And so my first reaction was I called them. I said, What do you mean we have a contract in place that we negotiated and you know you signed it? He said, Yeah, I don't I don't care. Sue me. <laughs> You're like, uh, yeah. that seems like a lot of work. Yeah, I'm 70. What, what I don't have nothing to lose. This what, will this will be entertaining for me. What so did go, you do? Did you sue him? No. So what we did was well, technically, I guess we did. We filed what's called uh, Liz Pendens, which is uh, basically just says that there's a pending lawsuit on the property. So we didn't file this big, you know, let's go to court, but we, we filed this, this notification that, that scares off basically any other buyers or any uh, banks to refinance it. Oh, that wasn't very nice. Yeah, but I thought it was pretty <laughs> tricky. I thought it was actually pretty clever. That's, that's um, the least you could do. Well, because we just wanted him to come back to the table. I didn't want it. I, I didn't want to take the guy to court. Did I just wanted him to honor his agreement. Did he come back? So it did work. He came back to the table, and we moved forward with the deal. The problem with that is that he also agreed to seller carry, so seller <laughs> finance, right? And so I started thinking about it when he was, you know, I'm starting to get his documents, his due diligence documents, and then, you know, he was just difficult to work with the whole time, and I'm, I'm realizing. I'm going to have to deal with this guy for the next 10 plus years yeah. as my lender. Oof. Right. And what, if he's the shady, what is he not telling me about the deal? So anyways, long story, but contracts are, are, uh, are certainly a step in the right direction to closing the deal, but they, they're not, uh, you know, they're not set in stone. Good point. Feels like a whole nother. Oh yeah. That could have been a whole nother episode. What does whole nother mean? Uh, so that's LOI. Is anything we're missing here? No, I mean, that's the majority of it. You're, you're not going to see an LOI on every deal, right? Especially if, you, if you're investing in a fund operator, you're probably not going to see any of these LOIs. But if you are investing in a specific deal, specific real estate deal, or a specific company, or even venture capital investment, right? There's term sheets. Um, you want to you wanna ask, you know, to see an LOI, right? Or see the purchase contract. You know, it's not it's not as critical as as seeing somebody's track record as the sponsor, or doing due diligence on the sponsor, as we touched on last episode, and, and don't get Bernie Madoff. Uh, but it is, you know, it's a nice data point, uh, especially if you are contributing to the earnest money on a real estate deal. Uh, as as the investor, you absolutely want to see these contracts. Yeah, uh, and they're just educational too. You're going to see a lot of the moving pieces in in terms of closing that deal and what might be a red flag as you go through, as the sponsor goes through due diligence uh, before you'd have to wire, uh, you know, the equity to close the deal. Yeah. Well, you know what? And they're also just kind of exciting. You know, it's at this point, it's just, everyone's still happy. 
hey, we want to buy the company. You want to sell the company. Yeah, you're, we, you're dating. Yeah, so this is the best part. I mean, yeah. everyone knows when you get you're married. You're telling me that dating <laughs> is more exciting than marriage? Oh, God. It's all downhill after the LOI. So <laughs> LOIs are sexy. They are. Okay. And don't call it a loy. Do not call it a loy. Talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to The Alternative Investor. Since you've made it this far, you should take a second to subscribe to the podcast and join our email list. There, you'll receive additional insights and insider access to the world of alternative investments. Just visit thealternativeinvestorshow.com.